Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us in this episode of Educator Essentials, the podcast where we talk with our members about tricks and strategies to aid faculty, preceptors, and those involved in the education of the pharmacy workforce. My name is Paige Carson. Today, we will be talking with Kit Wong, who is a PACT clinical pharmacy specialist and student co-coordinator at the Washington, D.C. VA Medical Center. We also have Josh Guffey with the North Carolina Area Health Education Center, or AHEC, and University of North Carolina Eshelman School of Pharmacy, and Mark Hardy, who is the executive director for the North Dakota Board of Pharmacy. We will review how shifting gears when quick changes, in this case, COVID-19, influence learners' experiences so that students were provided what is expected or required in their fourth year. We will be discussing how the modifications affected the experiential site, the preceptor, and even learning expectations. Thank you for joining us today. To get us started, this happened to many fourth-year students over the last year. What if the rotation is canceled, and is there rotation cancellation bias, such as geography or payment? Let's start with you, Josh. Thank you, Paige, and thank you for the introduction. I'd say cancellations in the beginning of COVID times were, were inevitable, and they continue to be an ongoing occurrence. Um, first and foremost, the goal is to try and prevent any delays in graduation for these students. Uh, obviously, this pandemic is is no one's fault, and we want to ensure that uh, they get the uh, training standards met that is required by ACP and also uh, what we would expect of, of future pharmacy practitioners. So since the show must go on, um, as soon as a cancellation occurs, really, it's a, a scramble to try and uh, find a, a replacement preceptor or rotation site or possibly trade certain months uh, that may be in a student's schedule, uh, hoping that we can uh, remedy that and again, uh, prevent any delays. Regarding any kind of uh, bias, from a policy stance, uh, there have been several interstate and international travel restrictions uh, by many schools of pharmacy, from my knowledge. Uh, so they've had to cancel several of those or, or delay those. And then also several non-direct patient care rotations, uh, such as those that may be more of an industry in nature or, or regulatory, such as CDC or FDA. They've been able to honor their, their prior commitments through uh, some virtual means. I'd also say uh, initially, uh, about a year ago, a lot of the rural areas seemed to have more cancellations, uh, which is partly due to a lack of supporting infrastructure for resources such as remote learning activities. And also these sites were, were typically smaller uh, physically, so it was much harder to uh, recommend uh, social distancing and, and honor those as well. I would say in, in recent months, we've seen the rural sites really pick up due to the efforts to utilize students in rural areas for COVID vaccination services. And in regards to uh, institution and preceptor payment, uh, for most rotations, uh, the payments are provided to the institutions directly. And the intent of that is to usually fund department travel, education, licensure, and those payments don't directly go to the preceptors themselves. So in my experience, I would say there's been a minimal impact based on any payment uh, for most of the preceptors that I work with. From my standpoint at the VA, we actually don't accept payments. And so we find that we actually have a lot of um, institutions around our area and even around the country who have basically pursued us to start affiliation agreements to kind of help with um, the burden that 
they would have to pay possibly between, I think it's like $500 if I'm right, Josh, regarding whether or not they have to pay. And so our institutions require that. Um, so it's been really helpful for a lot of what we're seeing with COVID because we've been able to take a lot of students from around the country to make sure that they're able to graduate. To continue on this thought, have other sites been forced to take on more students? In my experience, I would say probably the larger health systems that have a larger number of pharmacy practitioners and also the ability to precept with a team approach. Um, these sites typically have more technology resources as well as uh, being able to support those remote activities. And then from our site, when it comes to the VA, we have experienced a lot of institutions around us who have noted that many places, um, such as large health institutions, such as Kaiser Permanente, have canceled all of their student rotations. And so that left a lot of students who didn't have rotations. And so we worked with a lot of institutions around and our preceptors um, at the VA to take on more students and get them registered so they could basically expand their services or we could expand their services to include more students. Because there was a lot of students in this area in D.C. where if we didn't help them basically take on some more students, then they would have been left without a rotation and then they would have had to possibly face you know, not being able to graduate on time. And so we've really empathized with uh, the students and our preceptors being from a lot of the schools around here have really stepped up to accept more students. Some preceptors are even taking on students, at, two students at one time, or we would help co-preceptive students. So that way the students would still have um, in-person time with the preceptor, as well as some virtual time. But it has been a little bit difficult on our institution because we've seen a large exodus of available rotations for many of the students here. And what about ACPE rotation flexibility? Did students end up with rotation diversity after adjustment? Let's start with you, Mark. Uh, thank you, Paige, and thank you, everybody. It's a pleasure to join you. I think to specifically the question, I think it was a big challenge. COVID caused a lot of disruption to rotations for students. I'm sure there's a lot of students that didn't get the rotation diversity that they wish they had gotten in their fourth year of school. But however, I think all, all in all, the colleges really did a great job as far as stepping up to provide as best of a experience and the diversity that could have been obtained given the situations that happened. You know, specifically looking at a uh, university in, in our state, in North Dakota, there wasn't a requirement to have a rural rotation part of the education, even though it's not ACPE standard. And that uh, got lifted and a lot of students missed out on maybe that experience. So uh, I think there's some challenges there, uh, definitely some adjustments that had to be made to and accommodations to, to ensure a, a great uh, uh, rotation experience. And I think the colleges did a great job, but I, I do think there was some some uh, uh, lack of experiences that, that did happen with the disruption caused by COVID. Yeah, I would agree with Mark uh, completely on that. I would say as, as time has passed with COVID, um, we've been able to be a little bit more innovative and creative. So remote uh, instruction uh, in some rotations has probably allowed us to improve the diversity of rotations and experiences that students have relative to earlier in the pandemic. Uh, also some hybrid models uh, where students may be on site for periods of time, uh, such as rounding experiences and things like that. And then they are off site to improve social distancing where they may do things such as um, topic discussions and, and uh, presentations and things of that nature. So it probably allowed us to, to re-expand into a, a much more diverse set of rotations than uh, we had earlier in the year. 
Also, I would say probably one of the things that we've done at UNC is we've tried to shift a lot of the required rotations earlier in the academic years and in the academic year and have more of our um, electives be offered later. Uh, a lot of that has to do with if something does happen, uh, we would be able to better accommodate and again, prevent those delays in graduation uh, that we might be able to make a shift or a change. Um, and then also a lot of those elective opportunities are becoming more available as they are getting creative and more innovative on in how they offer rotations uh, for students to be able to uh, participate in those as they have before. And then also uh, in that same vein of uh, thought, most interstate and international rotations are, are now being scheduled uh, for the class of 22 uh, in the spring of the following years in case we have uh, further uh, variants and, and surges and things like that to where uh, it doesn't interrupt the rotations and the scheduling. And from our standpoint, being at the VA here in DC, we did have um, like I was saying, a lot of rotations that opened up. And so we made sure that we opened up more core rotations, specifically in our ambulatory care setting, because at the VA, we have a lot of CPSs that work in AmCare. Uh, we did have limited rotations that were available in internal medicine and acute care. So I really felt for those students who had those rotations canceled, and we tried to double book our preceptors if they were willing to take on extra students. Um, in terms of rotation diversity, we really tried to enroll all of our CPSs that were in specialty care areas, especially like with GI, um, infectious disease, uh, diabetes, and mental health. And so we had a lot of preceptors who actually opened up more rotations within their schedule so they could accept and give our students around this area more diversity. Um, the other thing that uh, we really focused on is because we really believe that in some way, the student should have an in-person type of rotation along with the telework or a work from home policy as well. And so we worked with our preceptors to kind of get students ready for that type of experience using technology to really um, let the student uh, get that kind of roundabout experience that you would normally see if you were in person fully. Another thing that we did was for students who were traveling interstate. So if they were coming, like I had a student that came from North Dakota, I actually had her shelter in place for basically two weeks. And then I had her get a COVID test from North Dakota. Um, and then when that test was negative, I let her come on site. And so there was different things that we worked with our occupational health group. And, and we looked at the guidance from the um, DC area to see what we could do. And so we tried to work with what we were given either from the school or from our own occupational health group to figure out what we could do to make sure that the students could have the experience that they were looking for, even if they were coming out of state. Thank you all. What kind of changes have you seen with accreditation standards for student learners? Overall, ACP has not changed their requirements on the basis of the number of hours of experiential training that's required for licensure or any mandatory experiences, such as most students or all students are required to have a health system experience, which a lot of times may be termed as an advanced hospital, an ambulatory care, an adult acute care, and so on and so forth. However, I would say they've become a, a little more flexible with uh, reasonable justifications. So in addition to the previously mentioned aspects of remote experiential learning, uh, which is just kind of the nature that even working pharmacists are, are having in the profession right now. Some of the classifications have loosened up, I would say, in what specifically constitutes as an ambulatory or an adult acute care experience. Historically, I would say special populations such as pediatrics, geriatrics, oncology um, would likely receive a specialty clinical experience, as that would be a, a specialty population um, that only 
relates to that particular population. During the pandemic, though, um, these may be classified as, as one of the required ambulatory rotations if that is a setting in which that type of care is provided, um, such as an outpatient oncology clinic. This would also be true for a historical inpatient oncology rotation that provides non-oncological medical management interventions, such as supportive care services. That may be now classified as an adult acute care, which predominantly was fulfilled through inpatient family medicine or internal medicine rotations. Has this affected graduating students meeting the requirements to be eligible for licensure? So there is a Early on, the, on the, in the pandemic, it was a very big concern as far as how students were going to be able to meet the hour standards that many states have set as far as condition for licensure. Speaking on behalf of North Dakota, you know, we, we haven't seen any students fail to meet the standards as far as the number of hours. However, there are going to be likely many states where that concern is much greater given the some states having higher hour requirements. And I think it still continues to be a, a bit of a challenge, specifically in, in jurisdictions where there's more specific standards. However, I do understand there's at least one state, Iowa, that uh, did relax some hour standards based on disruptions caused by COVID. And there may be more that are out there as well. So how are we protecting our learners in terms of in-person versus virtual experiential rotations? Hey Paige, that's a really good question. Um, for us, we honestly had to have an honest conversation with our preceptors first. We had to make sure that our preceptors felt comfortable taking students again, especially at the beginning of the pandemic in March, where a lot of preceptors in the news kind of heightened the situation, where a lot of them had that knee-jerk reaction initially to cancel rotations similar to the other institutions in the area. Um, and so we met with our preceptors. We had a discussion what we can do to keep them safe. Then after that meeting, we, we basically left it to a vote where we kind of decided that, yes, we're going to continue to take students. And then if you chose not to take students, just let us know. That is, um, that is, that is A-OK with us to do. Uh, but a lot of our preceptors were OK as long as we had standards that were set forth to our students. And so we made it very clear um, for our students that were going to be coming on rotation with us, that they couldn't leave the area for 14 days if they're coming from out of state, that we had something in place. Um, and after we made it clear to the students and then the preceptors felt fine, then we created a hybrid model. So our expectations at our institution was that students would be in person when their preceptor was in person, and then they would work from home or remotely, or they'd come on site and work in a different office with their uh, preceptor working remotely. But we worked out hybrid model with their preceptors. We worked up a mock syllabi, what a hybrid rotation would look like, and what the expectations would be for these students and for the preceptor to make sure that the experience that they would get would be similar, if not um, fully equivalent to what they would normally get as an in-person type rotation. And then after we came up with this plan, then we worked with the schools of pharmacy that we uh, accepted most of our students from to make sure that this experience that we were providing them in a hybrid model was appropriate to meet the needs um, set forth by the accreditation so that they could um, use these hours to become an actual pharmacist and sit for their boards and everything. And so for us, we we really pushed for some sort of in-person experience because a lot of our preceptors, and I believe too, that there's a lot that you can learn by being in person that remote learning um, isn't for everybody. And that I think the best thing for me when I was a student was being in person, seeing how patients talk, um, seeing, you know, body language, nonverbal cues are just as important as information patients uh, tell us. 
And so for us, it was really important that we did protect um, the experience that there was some sort of an in-person component because we believed it was so strong and it was so important for us. Brought up some great points, um, you know, from from the board's perspective, you know, kind of the maybe the thousand foot view of, as far as looking at pharmacies. I, I think all pharmacies are tasked to really look at their specific practice site and, uh, you know, how they were going to uh, uh, deal with um, the uh, students that would be coming in, uh, both on protection of the students and protection of their workforce as well and their patients. So it, uh, it uh, definitely looked very different across many different practice settings. And, and obviously I think, which is a, is a, a testament to pharmacists is that they, they wanna make sure that they have that ability to take students on in large. And, and I think that's very important. It's part of the oath of the pharmacist that, that we all take is to uh, pass on our knowledge and expertise to the next generation. And, you know, we're pretty proud of our profession that uh, they really did that through this challenging times. You know, one thing I'll just kind of flip the page a little bit on just a, a, a different flavor to that question and, and really about protecting our learners. And that's about, you know, how, we, how we're preparing them for um, the eventual step of getting licensed as pharmacists. And uh, unfortunately, you know, the disruption and kind of the changes in the rotation experiences, um, you know, left, left, leaves a lot of uncertainty about, you know, what impacts that's going to have on the learners and how they're going to move forward to licensure ultimately. And so um, the reality of the situation in our estimate is that it really is going to be, uh, there's going to be a story to be written here uh, come licensure time as far as how this class uh, and what experiences they were able to uh, get or not be afforded uh, may have on their eventual um, uh, career path. So, um, unfortunately, that's just the just the un, the uh, reality of of the nature of the pandemic and and the uh, impacts they have. But uh, certainly something that I think we'll all learn more in the, in the near future about. Yeah, that's some important points to consider that there's still a lot of data pending since these students will be taking their boards in the next few months. Let's talk a little bit more about how to provide or offer the same quality of rotation when it's switched to a virtual format. Yeah, uh, that's a great question, Paige. And, and um, I think generally speaking, I, just talking on our experiences from our rotation here at the board, you know, what happened and, and our general experiences traditionally would be that the student would be on site and, and we'd be part of uh, many different experiences and conversations that the board's engaged in on a daily basis. Lots of meetings, lots of uh, policy making discussion, meeting with legislators, all those different things that goes into those rotations. And obviously with COVID, that disrupted that process entirely. Now we can do our best to, to still offer some of the virtual different conversations that we have but it definitely makes for a whole different rotation. And certainly um, our abilities to have people on site was somewhat limited as well. So we were doing virtual experiences, which uh, you know definitely takes away with some of the, the in-person conversations and uh, nature of a rotation that we have. So, you know, I think that the goal is obviously to, to provide that same level of access and that same level of uh, experience to the student. Um, but naturally, just given the realities of uh, working in a virtual environment, it's just you're, you're going to miss some of those um, real in-person and, and uh, conversations and meetings that, that naturally would be afforded to a student. Yeah, overall, I think it's it's very challenging in the current uh, circumstances. However, even in uh, pre-COVID times, um, the most successful rotations were really based on setting clear learner expectations and, and having an organized plan. 
uh, which I do feel that you can do in the virtual environment as well. Uh, it's just new to uh, pharmacy practitioners and a little bit challenging for that for some preceptors. Uh, even in the best in-person rotations, students will likely have varied experiences. Uh, for example, I'm an internal medicine preceptor and a student that comes during the summer uh, is going to have a vastly different patient population than maybe the student that comes in November or January, uh, where we'd be right in the midst of uh, full-time uh, influenza and pneumonia cases and things of that nature. So uh, in some of that, we, we, we will never really be able to teach students everything, uh, nor ensure that the knowledge and skills of today uh, will be completely relevant tomorrow. So I think overall, we need to just ensure that students develop the skills that make them more resilient, adaptable to an evolving environment, and uh, promote a foundational basis of critical thinking skills. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point, too. One of the things that we really did at our facility is that we recommended that our preceptors actually assess the student's personality using like tools such as like Myers-Briggs. And then we had them look at their learning style through like the BARC method to really enhance and understand the student's learning experience because it would technically or most likely be a hybrid experience of in-person and virtual. We also made sure that we set up really strict guidelines and expectations for our students at the beginning, as well as the preceptors to ensure that the students were working at the same capacity that they would be in person. And we also made sure that the students, of course, met all of the criteria that was set forth by the School of Pharmacy to make sure that they could pass the rotation or exceed at the rotation. So we made sure that the students gave us their syllabi, that we worked through the syllabi to make sure that all of the requirements were met. We also made sure that the virtual experience was rigorous. We made sure that it included topic discussions, that the students would give, still give a presentation, that um, they would meet with patients in some capacity so that they could work, they could basically utilize the information that they learned in school on real patient cases. For example, for my students that I had come with me, I usually will see anywhere from six to 12 patients a day. And so I would have the students work up at least half of them and meet with at least half of the um, patients, either over video, over phone, or in person. And so I had that expectation that even though you're going to be working in some capacity at home, that when you're at home, we're going to focus on things like just topic discussions or presentations, talking points, um, giving feedback. And then when they were in person, I made sure that they were able to work up to what I would expect for a student especially if they wanted to go into residency, to that same capacity. So they had to be thorough but fast enough to get through those patients before they could go home that day. And so I think that at our facility, we tried to make sure that we made that big emphasis that before they leave, we're not just going to pass anyone, but that we have to make sure that they understood what they learned. Yes, clear expectations are a priority for both the preceptor and student to be successful. Let's talk about remote electronic health record access. Yeah, Paige, that was a that was a huge challenge, I would say, early on in, in COVID times. You know, however, I would say it's become much better as the uh, the process for requesting access as well as security uh, continues to improve for many institutions. The reality of it is, is that this impacts all practitioners. So the liabilities have been decreasing as well, where we've seen less uh, incidents of things like Zoom bombing that we, we heard about and read about uh, early in the COVID days when everyone had transitioned to that. A lot of the security parameters have been set up to where that's minimized, uh, such as 
setting up passcodes and, and certain fail safes that really help protect uh, our learners and, and our patients. So most of the success of, of granting remote electronic health record access, in my experience, has been derived from the mindset that other healthcare professionals, uh, students such as medical students, have always had and, and continue to have access uh, with limited issues. So my argument to a lot of the institutions was that so as long as the pharmacy students abide by the common pillars of patient confidentiality and professionalism, um, it should be reasonable to grant them this privilege um, until there is a problem. Yes. What happens when a learner becomes COVID positive and the preceptor and accompanying staff are at risk? Fortunately for me, most of, of the rotations within the region that I manage are, are completed through a, a large health system. Um, so committees were quickly created as pandemic uh, arose and uh, policies and procedures were, were developed as well. Uh, additionally, the schools needed to react quickly for the protection of the students and, and prevent progression delays. Uh, so to maintain their partnerships, they needed to provide resources as well, such as uh, how and when to get students tested and, and who would have the oversight to ensure that it was safe to clear those students from the school stance uh, and not just the institution's stance. And you bring up a good point, too, because for us at the VA, we re relied really heavily on the direction from the schools. And if the schools didn't have a good direction, then we relied heavily on our occupational health. Uh, what we did at our institution is that if a student was exposed to COVID or, or tested positive for COVID, and it was a high-risk exposure uh, for our preceptors, our preceptors would work with their occupational health, and then they would be authorized to be at home during that time for the COVID-positive student, depending on if their school or if their primary care provider or if the um, student health or even if our occupational health gave them time for sick leave, then we respected that time. But if the school or whoever had cleared the student to come back on rotation but have them shelter in place, then we would basically give the student research projects or admin work to complete during the time because at our rotation um, during COVID, we're still working on getting them telework privileges. And so for us, they don't have access to electronic health record yet, but we're working on that this year. But during that time, we'd basically work with the school, we'd work with our occupational health group, and then we'd work with the student to figure out not only with the preceptor, what an appropriate time to make up the rotation would be and how we'd provide that same type of experience for the student so that they weren't out for two weeks and felt like the rotation um, wasn't as impactful as they would want it to be. And so our preceptors actually gave, you know, a lot of case studies for the students to read up on and then they'd go over the cases with them. And then they'd actually talk to the students about their current panel and what they did so that the student would understand how to treat a patient and what to monitor for. So those are just some of the things that we were doing at our institution. Yeah, and Kit and Josh, I agree with you know what they're talk what they discussed there and, and what really um, some of the challenges really were, uh, especially as the pandemic kind of grew. Um, you know, it, there's a lot of concerns that pharmacies had. You know, we did see some pharmacies that did not accept students, and and uh, and we also, you know, had pharmacies that cited some liability concerns 
you know, workforce challenges that they may have as far as accepting students at rotation and uh, when those students may have had some sort of exposure or became COVID positive. I think it looked differently in each one of the pharmacy locations. I think there's some variability, but ultimately all had to develop, as Josh's point is well taken, that they had to develop policy and procedures to deal with those situations and hopefully still get to learn of the experience that they needed. Let's talk about preceptor concerns. This happened at some of my team's rotational sites. Yeah, Paige, I, I think that's a, a good thing to bring up. I've learned a lot about my, my pharmacy preceptors over the past year who may have been a little more closed off from personal aspects of their life uh, that I may not have understood previously. So this has brought to light several of those things. Um, we've had several preceptors that were either pregnant um, or attempting to become pregnant. And obviously, COVID brought out some concerns. The vaccine brought out some concerns uh, early on um, uh, um, how that may be impacted or, or the unknown. Uh, so there's a lot of fear there. Additionally, I've had several pharmacy preceptors uh, that may serve as family caregivers uh, for elderly or vulnerable populations. Uh, which brought a lot of concerns on transmission and things like that, not just from their their aspect of their jobs, but also being exposed to yet another group of people such as students. And then also I'd say a lot of preceptors expressed concern uh, for the students as well. They were very concerned that a student may be exposed to COVID and the overwhelming feeling of responsibility that that preceptor had to protect those students. And if they did become ill or infected with COVID, um, you know, how they might feel about that. Uh, then last, or also I would say uh, an exposure to or from the students to the patients they care for. Uh, I think that that's just a, a patient care consideration that we always have in the forefront of our minds as practitioners. But again, having another entity involved, um, is that going to put our patients at more risk? And then lastly, uh, preceptors were just worried that they, they weren't aware of the, the frequent changes that were occurring with both the institution and the school protocols uh, and how to follow those. So, uh, you know, there would be a lot of communications um, that there may have been an exposure or not and what that would entail. So I would say uh, there was a lot of concerns that they weren't doing the right things, even though they were. And I would like just to add on for our students, like, and our preceptors, one of the big things that they had cited as a concern is that remote precepting or remote teaching is a lot harder than doing in-person teaching. Um, you have to spend a lot more time with your students. You have to work through a lot of different concepts, especially if they don't have a patient in front of them, that they can't see them, that they don't get that additional experience. And so that time commitment was, I would say it's not double, but it's almost double the time that you would need to take to teach over a remote rotation or even in a hybrid model. Another concern that a lot of our preceptors did bring up was how do we hold our students accountable when they're working from home? And so, like I said previously, we had to work through some of these um, concerns just because remote learning was, le was new for many preceptors. Um, as historically at our facility, they've only been in-person rotations. Um, and then the other parts are is like, how do we protect patients um, identifying information? Um, and so for our facility, we did not allow students to bring home anything that was HEPA protected at home. And then if they had a patient to work up, then they would have to come in and we would find them an area that they could work in that was socially distanced. But when you are a student learning, especially at the beginning of the rotation, you are there longer and later at nighttime. And so we also had to take that into consideration to their workload because we don't want them to feel burnt out 
but we, again, we still needed to have and protect our patients from um, identity theft, which is still a big concern, I think, for a lot of the preceptors now is, is how do we make sure that our, pre, our students are protected in terms of their learning, but our patients are protected as well. And um, identity is still a big concern for a lot of them. Yeah, and along similar lines, what about high-risk preceptors who want virtual-only rotations? So at our facility, we did have um, some preceptors with high-risk conditions for complications because of COVID. And so for those preceptors, uh, we actually had a co-preceptor on site that could be with the student at least a few days a week that could help them, you know, see patients, work up some patients with them. So that way the experience wasn't fully virtual. And so for those preceptors, we had them partner with an in-person preceptor. And then we also, during this time, we wanted to make sure that guidelines were set forth for both the preceptors and the students to make sure that the experiences that a person might have if they were a student with a certain preceptor would be equivalent to a person who would be on-site and off-site at certain times. But for us, it was basically um, melding that hybrid model with in-person and virtual, and then we had a co-preceptor that would help with in-person learning if a high-risk preceptor was telework 100%. Let's talk about another expectation. So what does it mean to be a professional learner? What are the expectations or requirements like webcam and even professionalism? Oh, yes. The, the webcam discussions and, and virtual environment has been a hot topic, I would say, uh, say with students. Um, but I would say that, that one of the positive changes that has come from COVID has, has been the grace in the virtual environment. Um, and that's not just with students. That's, that's also with uh, practicing professionals. Um, life happens. Prior to COVID, pharmacy practitioners, uh, we were already stressed. Um, expectations of the next generation of pharmacists and pharmacy learners were, were extremely high. Um, so in my opinion, COVID has allowed us to better relate to the humanistic aspect of other healthcare professionals. And for many preceptors, uh, this has been passed on to the students as well. So more forgiveness with, with technical issues, uh, such as Wi-Fi glitches, uh, or a few minutes delay due to a tedious check-in process, uh, getting your temperature checked and asking the, the COVID questions and things like that. Nonetheless, with professionalism, it's, it still remains, it's a, a best foot forward approach. And that's always going to be the expectation, no matter in person or virtual. Uh, so they're always going to be respectful of the patients they are caring for and the healthcare team that they are working with. Um, they're not going to log on in, in pajamas uh, or make unprofessional comments uh, verbally or in the chat boxes or have uh, some inappropriate background in their, their Zoom uh, profile. Um, you know, and they should attempt at all costs to always still be on time, minimal repetitive excuses. So it's one thing if you did have a Wi-Fi issue, if you do have, uh, it, you did have difficulty logging on. Um, but it's still something that you don't want to engage in um, every time there's a meeting scheduled with a preceptor. And then also I feel it's important that they, they need to share back that grace that they've been given by the pharmacy um, preceptors because our pharmacists are being called to do things that they've not anticipated either due to staffing shortages, evolving responsibilities. Therefore, you know, students should really try to help wherever possible and fill in their own experiences uh, where, where needed, um, such as they may need to do a little more in-depth digging and reading uh, for preparation for topic discussions versus perhaps uh, historically that may have been something a preceptor took 
uh, exhaustive amounts of time to to actually provide more of a didactic discussion uh, for them. So that responsibility needs to be held by the students uh, for their own learning as well. And then for our institution, we had our preceptors have lengthy conversations with their students to basically prepare them for uh, telehealth visits. So prior to visits, I would really set ground rules for professionalism. And on video visits especially, I would make sure that our students were professionally dressed, that they would show up on time, and then if they don't, they let me know ahead of time. We also, with video visits and setting up a rapport, we also made it very clear that it was expected that the students would show up with some form of enthusiasm because it's really hard to develop rapport on an intake visit for a new patient if you're not excited to take care of that patient or ready to listen. And so we had uh, conversations like that. We also talked about health literacy and how doing a virtual visit versus an in-person visit is a lot different. And so when I would look at students or when they would talk to patients over the phone or through video, I would make sure that they were talking to the patient at, at an appropriate level, that we would have conversations about the use of professional vo vocabulary and limiting that. And we also really focused on eye contact and we did have video visits because in order for me to be successful as a provider um, and manage a person's care, we have to develop that rapport. And so we gave a lot of tips on how to maintain professionalism, but also how to gain your patient's trust. Um, at the end of the day, we didn't have any issues with professionalism that I heard of as the co-coordinator here. And so I think that this colleges of pharmacy have done a really good job to make sure that their students are coming prepared, that they are being professional, that if they can, they are on time. And if they're not, they always let and they always have this open line of communication, which we really do appreciate because um, COVID, like the whole conversation we're having today has really shaped um, the field of pharmacy for this class. And so our preceptors and our students have been really flexible to meet the needs of what it is to be a good teacher, but also what it is, again, to be a good human being. And having that understanding and that adaptability has been really helpful on both sides. So that way there's not misjudgments on students or preceptors, because this whole thing that we're going through is new for everybody. And for us, we made that very clear that we have to give each other a break because right now I'm sure a lot of us feel that sense of burnout. And so that happens for students as well, that if we don't have a humanistic approach to things that, and we're not understanding, then there can be that sense that there's not that caring sense. And I feel like that also affects their learning. And so professionalism, again, is very important, but we also have to understand where our learners are coming from and the challenges they're facing at home. Do you feel like these students are missing out going forward? Well, that's a great question, Paige. Uh, I think it's the uh, easy answer is maybe yes. Um, you know, certainly there's a lot of stresses that were caused by by the uh, disruption that was caused. Um, I think we all worry about the uh, these you know, lot, the lack of soft skills that may be developed in, in these students. Um, you know, their loss of rotation sites, as we've talked about before and their experiences may be limited in some respects and certainly the, the time and and that they'd have with preceptors during the um, due to the pandemic so I think there is some definitely some some aspects that you can point to as far as missing out but hopefully we can talk a little bit about some opportunities later as well yeah I would absolutely echo those those comments from Mark um, you know one of the other things that, that I see that that several students are missing out on 
are some of those team-based dynamics, um, such as rounding with a, a healthcare team. It really helps them to understand the different roles of other healthcare providers out there and where, where we as pharmacists fit into that healthcare team. Uh, so understanding when it's appropriate to ask a question and when you may uh, need to hold that question for a different uh, setting or time. Uh, I think also uh, there's a lot missing with some of that organic uh, mentorship that occurs uh, with in-person discussions um, and, and that human touch as far as being there, uh, seeing them, seeing their reactions, and, and really as a preceptor, helping them with that. Uh, it's very hard to get that connection in a virtual environment. Uh, and then also, I think along that mentorship aspect, it, it's very hard for some of these pharmacy students to appreciate the historical aspects of the profession and where have we come from and, and where are we going because we're, we're only able to provide them, um, you know, the snapshot of the present. And I would really agree. I think that rotations and what they're seeing now is still not equivalent to what they were seeing before the pandemic. I think that we're doing our best to make sure that it's somewhat equivalent, but I think the human connection, the understanding of nonverbal um, patient cues, and seeing like the outcomes from a patient as you continue to follow them on a weekly or biweekly basis, I think that virtual rotations kind of remove that human aspect from rotations. And so we really do support a hybrid model or some sort of an in-person model. And I think that realistically, virtual rotations aren't for everybody. You know, preceptors and students alike, that not everyone is ready to teach over a computer and not everyone is ready to learn over a computer. And so we really have to do a better idea to assess who um, would be good at doing the teaching and who would be good at doing the learning. And that for those who are learning or those who are teaching, understand their limitations so that way we can work with preceptors who might be a better fit, let's say to teach a rotation uh, virtually. Because at the end of the day, on our site, we're very mindful of the learner and we wanna make sure that the learner is getting the same type of experience and that we have to continue to assess their knowledge to see if they're actually learning from um, their experience with us or that if there's something that they're missing that they're very vocal about letting us know. But I think that it holds, I think that it, it is a huge challenge for uh, learners moving forward, especially now that a lot of preceptors are going to be in this hybrid model. So I think it's something that we're going to see in terms of outcomes, whether or not it affects their NAPTEC scores, whether it affects their people skills when it comes to working with patients, maybe as like a resident, but we still don't know the outcomes of what this pandemic has done really on our learners. What positive opportunities have come available due to the changes in how healthcare is delivered and the way that learners have been integrated into this process? Let's talk about some of the advantages of remote learning. Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's one thing that we need to certainly focus on, and that's the good. And, and uh, out of all this disruption and all this uh, challenging times, I think there is something that, uh, that students have had the opportunity to be involved with. I mean, it's just a very, very challenging, dynamic time in healthcare. And to be right in the middle of that as a, as a student, you know, working in different practice settings and different abilities to see that different strategies utilized in those practice settings to deal with, uh, with uh, uh, the challenges that COVID brings and trying to deliver healthcare in, in a non-traditional format is uh, something that they're going to take with them and be able to grow from that, uh, frankly, a lot of their uh, predecessors in, in previous classes have never been able to see. 
you know, telehealth has been elevated in society and it's going to continue to grow. And so, you know, students hopefully um, out of this are going to be coming out much more adaptive to change. And with that, you know, becomes uh, an exciting platform that they'll be able to grow from moving forward. Yeah, I think Mark brings up a really good point. I think that's one of the big things that I'm hoping comes out of this whole um, pandemic is that students are learning over virtual platform and they've had to become more adaptive because of what happens in life, especially during a pandemic if someone is positive. The other thing is, is that I'm hoping from this whole situation that students are becoming more resilient because I know for myself that I'm not the best learner virtually. And I chose to do an in-person pharmacy school and an in-person um, residency. And so, you know, not everyone is ready for virtual. And I think that students have had to do a lot of digging within themselves to find what works for them and what doesn't work. And I think that those skills of being adaptable, resilient, learning yourself, learning your own needs is going to help a lot of our students moving forward because they're able to vocalize, you know, what they've been feeling internally so that they don't suppress a lot of what they're seeing uh, during the pandemic. And so I think that these are some of the major positive things that I think will probably come out of this pandemic. And many students have gotten to serve in vaccination clinics. Tell us how students may be prepared for different or new roles coming to them in the future. Yeah, Paige, I think this question ties in very well to, uh, to Mark and Kit's uh, most recent comments. More than ever, students are being involved with, with rapid real-time change. Uh, and healthcare and, and how society receives healthcare is evolving even more so with COVID. So these students are going to be more accustomed to this during their, the infancy of their training and will hopefully be more adaptable than, than many of our seasoned pharmacy practitioners, mostly because they're not going to have to overcome the, the concept of change because it's the environment that they, they know because they were raised in it. So many of these students also, uh, in my hopes, are, are more familiar with uh, app-based programming and technology. And I would say to some of those previous comments, that's true, that they probably are better versed at using virtual technologies than some of our most seasoned practitioners out there. Uh, so I really hope that with this, uh, this sense of uh, adaptability, as well as a sense of knowledge in things that uh, many pharmacists may not have been as knowledgeable about in the past, such as technologies, uh, it'll lead to some innovative practices and, and systems uh, that will help advance our profession as well as improve patient care. And then in terms of our site, a lot of the students were helping out with not giving the vaccines, but keeping track of them. So on more of an administrative capacity um, and then helping make sure that we accounted for all the doses of the vaccine. I'm at, actually at our facility when we would have to go from like the inpatient pharmacy to where the dose is being administered, they actually had to be with like a police officer. And so I think that students, especially from the pandemic and what they're experiencing now, especially at vaccination clinics, they feel a sense of service. And so for us, I'm hoping that they take that service and that they use their adaptability to kind of make sure that we are always giving back. Because this time, if anything, has humbled many people in the country to kind of think about like what they have, what they don't have, what our insecurities are within ourselves. Um, and we really had to have worked on and looked internally to figure out what works best for us. And so I think not only the preceptors, but the students can use that information 
to kind of move forward to better, you know, not only health systems pharmacy for a lot of places by making sure that we are learners, but also are there to serve our patients. And I think that this humbling time has really showed them how important pharmacists are, not only with giving the vaccine, tracking the vaccine, but we are huge promoters of the vaccine itself. And so I'm hoping that students take this reality that they're in now and use it um, to motivate them to do great things because I think pharmacists, especially um, the newer ones coming behind us, can really be the change that we've been seeing within healthcare systems to make it better, that we focus on quality and that we focus on the patient to make those outcomes possible. So those are just some of my thoughts on it. Yeah, uh, Kit and Josh bring up great points. And, you know, I, the only thing I'd add to, to that is that, uh, you know, speaking, you know, specific to, to our state and, and, and the state of North Dakota, and, and, you know, we really relied heavily upon students' knowledge, expertise, and their ability to uh, work through the, this, this COVID period, uh, both in line of testing, uh, as well as providing different responses from a state perspective on working with patients. In, uh, in different hotlines and stuff like that. And also now moving into the vaccination period, you know, we are relying heavily upon those, uh, those uh, future pharmacists to uh, assist pharmacies and in, uh, in delivering the vaccinations across the state of North Dakota. So, you know, I think, I think their ability, to, it, the, the point that was made is, is very much true that their ability to utilize technology is just a, a really great talent that we can leverage from a from a patient care perspective and, and a public health perspective in uh, in dealing with uh, the issues around the whole pandemic and and I think it creates a lot of great opportunities for those students and and they're just a, a breath of fresh air a lot of times to these healthcare settings to uh, infiltrate students into these processes on some of the COVID relief efforts that have happened in our state. That's all the time we have today. I want to thank Kit, Josh, and Mark for joining us today to discuss how to stay positive without testing positive during COVID-19, an open discussion on precepting during a pandemic. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. If you haven't before, I encourage you to check out ASHP's educator resources. You can find member-exclusive offerings such as the Preceptor Toolkit, the Research Resource Center, and Simply Exchange Ideas with your peers on the ASHP Education Connect community. Thanks again for tuning in for this session of Educator Essentials, and we hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Be sure to subscribe to ASHP Podcast through your favorite podcast provider. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.